Fantasy Football Sensei Podcast with your host, Trevor Scott. Welcome back in. Excited to have you guys. I know uh, it's getting a little further in the playoffs, so I might be losing some of you, but hopefully we still got people interested in hearing this. And so with that, we'll jump into the intro. So we're going to go through some of the news. There's a lot of COVID news, so we'll go through some of that. Um, talk about hate drops, which we may or may not continue to do. Um, my record on my predictions last week, uh, some shout outs, Tuesday game wrap up, matchup conclusions. Uh, get into the waivers for this coming week, do the boom and bust of last week, and get into week 16 previews, studs and duds, and I'm going to do a little bit of talk on the NFL playoffs. I think that might be a good way to try and get you know some more entertainment. So if you're listening to this and you're not necessarily super into all the nitty-gritty details about fantasy, maybe just jump to the end and, and listen to the fantasy playoff section. I'm sorry, the NFL playoff section. So starting off with the news, Merry Christmas, guys. Uh, very excited that the holidays are here. Always a good time. So enjoy your time with your families or with whatever uh, whatever endeavors you guys are going to partake in. So um, and New Year's will be coming up too. So uh, be safe, travel safe, and Merry Christmas, everybody. Um, also, the buy-in. Um, I haven't gotten everybody's buy-in yet. So if some if you if you want to Venmo it to me at this point, you can do that, or we can maybe just hang on to it and Venmo it out to the winners at the end or however we want to do it. I'm, I'm not too worried about it. I just wanted to bring it up because that is something that's coming up in the next couple weeks here. Uh, diving into football now, Le'Veon Bell signed with the Buccaneers. So that's at least noteworthy. I don't know if he's going to be relevant in any way or not. Ronald Jones and Keyshawn Vaughn are kind of the guys there, but they did bring in Fournette last year. I know that's a little bit different circumstances because they brought him in early and everything, but Maybe he takes over the passing downs work just because Keyshawn Vaughn hasn't been that good and Ronald Jones isn't really a pass catcher. So that could be a, a good signing for the Bucks here if they elect to use him on passing downs. Uh, 140 players are currently on the COVID list. So hopefully we get some players coming off the COVID list going into the games this weekend. But I know a bunch more players went on and it's definitely been a big problem. So hopefully... We get some positive news on the COVID list moving forward, but unfortunately we're having to deal with that over the last two weeks of the season. Um, especially the Chiefs. The Chiefs have gotten hit really hard with their skill position players with Tyreek and with Travis Kelsey and with Harrison Butker all being out um, currently on the COVID list. So we'll see if uh, – they, they already announced that Butker's out, but if, if Kelsey and – Reek are able to clear those protocols before the weekends. They will play, but that's definitely a dicey situation. We're going to keep our keep our eyes on. Um, and then last last bit of news before we get into the entries. Um, if you're out and you're still listening to this, first off, I appreciate it. Second of all, please don't make any waiver claims um, or don't drop anybody off your roster. Just just leave your all rosters alone if you are out moving forward. Thank you for that. So getting into the injuries now, we have uh, quarterbacks of note. We had Jared Goff with COVID, and more than him, although he's been playing well, more than him himself, though, it's it's how it's going to affect Amra St. Brown specifically for our league's purposes, but also Swift um, for, uh, for a broader, uh, broader look at it. So um, without him, I would definitely downgrade those guys. I don't know that Amra St. Brown would be such a great start if he doesn't play. Um, and then Jalen Hurts 
just a just a note he had carried no injury designation into the game last night and then he looked awesome so i would i would guess that he's going to have a clean bill of health moving forward and he's going to be all clear getting into the running backs mixon suffered an ankle sprain so that was something to keep an eye on and Samaj P. Ryan might end up being the starter this week. So we'll see what ends up happening with that backfield. I know Mixon specifically, he's on Gavin's team, and Gavin's kind of out now. So, um, But, yeah, keep an eye on Mixon for other leagues. Um, Fournette, likely to IR with a hamstring injury, so that's going to give Ronald Jones an opportunity to play here. Eckler did go on the COVID list earlier today, and he's still dealing with his ankle injury as well. So we'll see if, one, he's able to clear the protocols, and, two, if he's able to get his full workload that he wasn't really able to get because Justin Jackson was very good last week. So we'll see what ends up happening with Eckler. And then Antonio Gibson had a toe entry. He was in and out of the game, but still played over 70% of the snaps. So I think he's going to be fine. Going to the wide receivers, um, me personally, I'm really excited about this one. A.J. Brown was designated to return at the beginning of the week, and he is expected to play. We got word today um, in tomorrow night's matchup with the 49ers. So I was talking with Hamza about him specifically, and I hope he has a good game. The 49ers have not been good against wide receivers, despite their defense playing really well. So I hope that moving forward, he's going to be good, especially this week. Um, and specifically because Brandon Cooks, we got news, went on the COVID list this uh, this morning. So hopefully he's able to step into that spot in my lineup. Um, and then Tyreek Hill is uh, is also on the COVID list. MVS is obvious uh, is also on the COVID list, and Cole Beasley is on the COVID list. Those are some bigger names that showed up on the COVID list this week. And then tight ends, we talked about Travis Kelsey earlier on the COVID list, and Pat Fryermuth is in the concussion protocol. So we'll see if he's able to clear, but that is his second concussion in four weeks. So uh, keep an eye on him. And he's still relevant too, because Stevie Moe might end up playing him. Okay, so getting into the hate drops. I, I mentioned at the top, I might retire this segment and only bring it back when we have like true hate drops, you know, when somebody just goes ham and drops a bunch of players. Um, and there's there's funny implications behind it. But um, just just the drops that happened this week. Craig cut Will Fuller after we got news that he's going to be out for the year. Um, obviously, disappointing season. Hamza cut the Denver defense, getting his lineup in order and getting his his players off of injured reserve. Jared cut Tennessee. Um, no more ad drops for him since he's out, but we'll let that one stand for now. And then Tyler cut KJ Osborne to activate Lamar, and he had an empty bench spot to activate Emmanuel Sanders. Um, so now moving on to the record uh, of my predictions last week, I actually went 4-0. So I guess that's probably why I added this segment. But I got all four games right last week, so I was pretty excited about that. I had some higher point totals because the week overall just stunk. But um, I did uh, pick the winner correctly, and we'll get into those uh, f three winners later, today, uh, later in the podcast here. Um, and then some shout-outs to some teams that are done now. So I wanted to congratulate Gavin and Matt for getting out of the Sacco. They had definitely a disappointing season by not making the playoffs, but they both had very good seasons and both had great weeks this week and both are out of the Sacco now. So their seasons are over. So congrats on good seasons, you guys. And then uh, congrats also to Mike and Jared for great seasons and both of who made the playoffs this week after missing the playoffs last week, uh, this week versus last week, who made the playoffs this year after missing the playoffs last year. So congrats to you guys. Great seasons and looking forward to next year already. Um, and then good luck to Steve Moe and Tyler fighting for the Pukas, and we'll get into their matchup in a little bit. 
Um, some discussion on the Tuesday night games. So Jordan obviously flipped that matchup on Tuesday night. That was a big win for him. Cooper Cup came through in a huge way, 30 points. And Everett was even solid with eight points. He caught that, that ball at the end of the half that kind of got tipped or whatever was intended for somebody else, and he ended up coming down with it for like a 30-yard play. Uh, but still a solid production there from him. Um, and obviously, Daryl Henderson only getting three, and Sony Michelle taking over kind of as the lead back this week. 20 touches, 115 yards uh, for Sony Michelle. So uh, that could have implications going into the playoff leagues that we're going to be doing. So I'm, I'm looking forward to continuing to watch how that backfield plays out. And also, Cam Akers, I mean, we did get news a few weeks ago that he could potentially be a factor in the playoffs. So keep an eye on that backfield. Something else I wanted to highlight is that Matt. Gavin, Jordan, and I, so four of the teams that were ranked between four and eight, all finished this week within six points of each other. Um, and I think that just highlights how close this entire season was and how competitive we were. This has just been such a, such a great league. I always love playing in this league, and so I just wanted to highlight that. Um, and then everybody, everything else stayed the same. So uh, with Jordan getting that big win, he, he takes on Hamza, and then I take on Craig, and Stephen Moe and Tyler into the Sacco final. So looking at the boom and bust of last week then, uh, we got Cooper Cup was the boom of the week. I think that was uh, pretty obvious because he ended up pushing uh, Jordan over the top. And I did have Travis Kelsey in that spot because I thought that Mike was going to be able to, to pull it out on Tuesday night. So when I was making the notes, I, I just wanted to have an honorable mention to Travis Kelsey. 36 points in week one of the playoffs, so that's pretty huge. And then bust of the week going to the other matchup was Mike Evans only getting one point. I know he ended up leaving the game with injury, but that was very, very detrimental to, to Jared's team. Um, and then an honorable mention was Daryl Henderson. We were watching on watching it unfold on Tuesday night, and he only had three points. And, and really, he only, he only played like 18 of the 65 snaps or whatever it was. So Sony Michelle was on the field almost uh, like more than twice as much as Daryl Henderson was. So... If that continues, obviously, Sony Michelle is going to be the guy to own. And then let's look at the waivers quick. So there were eight moves, pretty pretty simple. Um, it was a little weird because it ran so close to the end of the games. So I know there were some, like Tyler, Mike made a move and Jared dropped somebody. So, so like it was a little weird. So um, again, if you're out, just don't make any more moves. Um, but the moves that were made, eight moves. I made four of them. I grabbed Gabriel Davis and uh, cut Godwin. I grabbed Ronald Jones and cut Cortland Sutton. I gra grabbed Justin Jackson. Got to block my opponent there, you know. He's got Eckler because I'm playing Craig. And then I added Alan Lazard in cut Minshew. So, um, so, but just a bunch of moves, just kind of cleaning, cleaning house. There's only two weeks left. Not really a reason to, to hang on to some of these players at this point. Uh, Craig grabbed Mikkel Hardman and Tyler Johnson. He might need one of those guys this week, depending on his COVID situation. So those are both pretty good ads. Got them both for zero. Tyler grabbed Noah Fant and dropped Conklin. So that should be a little bit of a boost for him at tight end for his matchup against Stevie Moe. And then Mike grabbed Samaj P. Ryan. We mentioned that Mixon was out. So Mike went ahead and grabbed him. So getting into the previews and predictions for week 16, moving forward here. So we're going to look at Hamza and Jordan's matchup first. Um, this is going to be a very, very competitive matchup. I'm looking forward to this one. Jordan is currently projected to win, but Hamza doesn't have a tight end in his lineup yet. So we'll see what the projections end up shaking out. It's going to be very, very close, likely 50-50, dead heat. 
Um, and Jordan is just continuing this heater that he's on. He's seven and two over his last nine games after starting one and five now. And his team is just completely different. He's just playing so well. Uh, Cooper Cup got into gear, and the rest of his team seemed to come together. Um, and Cup has another great matchup with Minnesota, so definitely get your popcorn ready on that one. I know Hams is already paranoid about that player in particular, so we'll see how he ends up doing. The biggest piece of news for Jordan comes with Darren Waller. Um, he got serviceable eight from Everett last week, but there's no denying it's going to be a huge boost if he is able to get Waller back. And it's just a confidence thing going into the week, added projection, just everything. And I think the fact that he has Derek Carr obviously plays well with Waller, that the offense in general will just be better. So hopefully we get to see Darren Waller. That's going to be exciting for Jordan. Um, his bench obviously has also come along very strong. He added St. Brown, um, who's been a stud the last three weeks. So if Goff gets off COVID, he might end up starting him. And he also has Marquise Brown, who's currently on his bench, but who's been an awesome all year long. So uh, if Huntley goes, it might not be as attractive to play him, but he still had 10 receptions with Huntley under center. So we'll see what ends up happening with Marquise Brown. So, you know, Jordan's got some decisions to make here. Um, and he also has uh, Devontae Foreman, who, uh, or Dante Foreman, sorry, I always get his name wrong. Dante Foreman has three straight games with either 100 rushing yards or a touchdown. So three games ago, he had 100. Two games ago, he had a touchdown. And last week, he had 100. So that's another option going against SF's defense, which has been pretty stingy lately. So maybe not the best option this week, but is a potential player he could look to. Hamza rolls into this matchup feeling very confident after his bye week. Um, he finished the year a little bit slow with a couple losses. One of them was just the bye NATO where he had nine guys on bye. Um, but taking the bye week, got his team in order. And he's got the best running back duo in the league with Jonathan Taylor and Alvin Kamara. Both of those guys are currently projected for 20. Uh, but both do face teams in the top 10 versus running backs this week. Um, I have a feeling that's not going to matter much. And that they're both going to get bounced from the top 10 after these matchups. Um, but at the very least, it just brings a little bit of hesitation to a 20 projection just because that's so huge. Um, and then the, the biggest shift on his team comes from the, the Godwin and Evans injury news um, and with AB a coming back. So that's going to be great for his value. Lots of volume coming here. Um, and we'll get more into Brown later in the podcast. So looking at something a little bit more negative here, uh, that's one game now over double digits in the last seven games for Terry McLaurin. Um, he has to start him. It's like a thing, you know, where it's just he's he's one of your guys, so you, you just roll with him. But he's more of a low-end wide receiver three at this point, and then just kind of praying for a TD to make him better than that. Um, and then COVID also still impacting Tyler Higby, so he might have to go to the wire for a tight end this week. We'll have to keep an eye on that for him. So my prediction, I'm, I'm going a little bold here, but I think Jordan keeps it rolling, makes it eight out of his last 10 in the W category. Um, I think Carr, like I mentioned, will be better with Waller back. Um, so those two will score better than uh, Carr would have without him, and Waller will outscore Everett. Um, and I, I'm like I mentioned, I'm concerned about McLaurin, I, and I am also concerned about Pittman and Stevenson. Both have tough matchups this week. Um, so unless we see massive scores out of Jonathan Taylor or out of Alvin Kamara or Taysom Hill, which are all definitely possible. I think Humps is going to come up a little bit short here. I have it projected as a very close matchup here, 155 to 142 to Jordan. That's my prediction. All right, so let's jump into the other side of the bracket now. 
Craig versus me. Um, we weren't anticipating this matchup. We were thinking that uh, Mike was going to get in and that Mike was going to play Craig and I was going to play Hamza. But here we are. And as of right now, I'm projected to win, but that can obviously all change pending COVID news. Um, so speaking of, Craig is anxiously, anxiously waiting on that news. Um, he's got Landry, Lockett, Hill, and Heineke all on the COVID list and Eckler who joined them earlier today. So that's a lot of players on the COVID list. And so, um, you know, he's been the best team over the last month and a half, but running into major problems now with all this, uh, all these COVID list players on his team. So we definitely have to wait and see before we can really make a judgment on how this matchup is going to go down. More positive, Herbert is one of the few quarterbacks who's just been continuing to crush it week in and week out, averaging 25 over his last five games and gets a very beatable Texans D. They don't look like they're that easy of a defense for quarterbacks, but it's mainly just because teams run on them so much, and the Chargers really don't run that much uh, volume-wise. They'll, they'll probably be able to run effectively, but I'm guessing that Herbert is going to have a field day here. Um, and this could definitely be the, the player that puts him over the top. If Herbert goes off 30, 35 points, that could be set the stage for him to really uh, put a beating on me. If he doesn't get any of those players back that we mentioned before, he's going to have a lot of lineup questions. So right now he's got uh, Freeman in there, but he was splitting with Latavius a lot last week, which is the first time we had seen that. So maybe it goes back to Freeman, but he probably is going to have to roll with Freeman if Eckler is out or, or try to find somebody else on the waiver wire. Um, and then he's got Mike Davis and Robbie Anderson in his starting lineup at wide receiver three and at flex. Um, so he might stick with them or use Schultz off his bench or potentially go to a different waiver wire player. So there's there's just a lot of decisions for Craig's team, a lot of news that he's going to have to follow. So this is definitely crunch time here for him in his roster. Um, and then on my end of the uh, on my end of the matchup, we're looking at Godwin that had a torn ACL pain for me. Oh, just such a bummer because he had been playing so well over the last three games. He had 17, 15, and then in this game that he got hurt, he had seven targets in a quarter and a half. So that's going to be a huge loss for me. You just can't replace that volume and that floor and that assurance that you're going to get a ton of points from, from a wide receiver spot. So I am very hopeful that A.J. Brown comes in and takes that spot. But, you know, even him, he's coming off injury, chest injury, kept him out for four weeks. So we'll see what A.J. Brown's able to do. Um, and then as I was writing this note, we got the notification that Cooks had hit the uh, COVID IL list. So I, I had said, fingers crossed, but uh, I've been extremely lucky to avoid any COVID on my team. So um, other than Godwin, I was going to be at full strength. But now Cook's hit the COVID list. I don't anticipate he's going to get off it. Uh, so many players have been on the COVID list and have missed games. So I, I really don't think with him joining on Wednesday that it's going to be something that's that he's going to be able to avoid missing a game. Um, on the positive note, Hertz looked great this week. Last night, he was awesome. He threw for 296 yards. He had two rushing touchdowns and a passing touchdown. He was great. I hope he can keep that production rolling into his matchup with the Giants here this week. And then Montgomery, Harris, and Lamb all have good matchups, all in great spots this week. So I'm hoping that they don't all suck again because those three guys, those are three of my main players, and they combined for 19 points last week. So if, if that happens again, I don't think I have any chance. But because they all have good matchups, I think that there's definitely a chance that those guys could be big scorers for me and potentially help me help me win this matchup. My team with roster decisions is really pretty simple. 
Um, the only one for me is, is debating Fields and Cousins. Um, Fields is much riskier, but could put up a lot better numbers on the ground, and they both have tough matchups. So we'll see. I, I mean, I, I've been rolling with Cousins all year. I'm probably just going to roll with Cousins, but Fields is at least in the conversation. And now prediction time. So I have to go with myself again. I can't pick against myself when I'm when I'm talking to you guys. You guys all know that I'd be full of it anyways. So um, it does hurt that I'm, I'm going to lose Cooks. Uh, but I think this is this matchup is ultimately going to come down to those COVID players. If if I get Cooks back and he doesn't and Craig doesn't get any of his players back, or if Craig gets all of his players back, like Landry, Hill, and Eckler all come back, and I still am losing Cooks, I probably would would change my prediction here. But um, it does suck that we're having to deal with this and we're not going to get best on best necessarily um, because of COVID. But for for now, I'm projecting or I'm predicting 140 to 132 uh, for a win for me. And then looking at the Sacco final now, um, it's all come down to this, Stevie Moe versus Tyler for the Pukas. I love this. Um, I, I still, I want to buy a trophy for this too, but I think you guys would make fun of me for that. But I think it would be funny to keep track of this too. But um, and just as, like, as an added little punishment, you got you to gotta display a trophy. Um, but so I'll try and keep the analysis short. It, it is kind of long in the notes, but um, these two are ready to roll. Projected within two points of each other, um, and Stevie Mo has a slight edge, slight favorite here. Um, so starting there, he's gonna. I don't know if he's gonna be adjusting his lineup much or what he's gonna do, but he might want to play Pollard over Daryl Williams this week. Um, he's been riding with Williams ever since he picked him up, and so he probably is just thinking he's going to continue to ride him. But the one-point stinker last week really is going to leave a sour taste in his mouth um, and could ultimately cost him this week if he does that again. Um, Dallas Goddard also went nuts last night on his bench, and that's two straight weeks for Goddard now where he was awesome. Um, so he might want to look into getting him into his flex spot with Ertz continuing to stay in his tight end spot while Hopkins is out. Um, their former teammates, they're going to pair up his teammates on Stevie Moe's team, potentially, and this would move Bateman to the bench for Stevie Moe. Um, and, and I know, I know, I, chances are probably low that he's listening to this because he's probably been checked out for a while now, but hopefully he listens since it's like down to the very last matchup now, uh, and hopefully this can help him against Tyler. Um, and then on Tyler's end, he has himself a pretty solid starting lineup, in my opinion, right now. Uh, Devin Singletary went off last week, had 22 carries the whole week after having four carries. So that's a big boost for his lineup if he's going to get that kind of work um, and can continue to work into the passing game a little bit. So, um, And if he rolls him out there in his flex spot or in, an, in a running back spot and, and actually uses him to beat Stevie Moe, that would be that would be interesting, too, because Stephen Moe traded Singletary to Tyler earlier in the year, so that could end up being the best trade of the year. Um, and then Tyler was also able to, to nab Fant. We went over that in waivers, so he's not a great play, but a little bit of an update and a little bit of added bonus there for Tyler against the Raiders. And he's got Zeke and Javante, which is actually a really solid one-two punch at running back for right now. I mean, that's, that's a one and a two at running back, so um, hopefully that can fuel his team to, to a solid point total whether or not he wins. Um, and then my prediction, so I'm going a little bit bolder on this one too. I think Tyler's going to pull the upset here and send Stevie Moe to the Pukas. I mean, the Pukas are already right there, right next to Stevie Moe's room, you know, hanging up next to the trophy there. So, you know, all he has to do is roll out of bed and put those things on. And can't wait to see pictures with Stevie Moe and the Pukas. <laughs> um, so I'm predicting a 128 to 110 win for Tyler. All right, and then let's get into studs and duds. So 
I mentioned earlier that we would be talking about Antonio Brown later. So this is when we're going to get into that now. I have Antonio Brown as a dud for Holmes' team. Um, this is mostly because I'm mad at that 16 projection and I'm upset that Godwin got hurt. Um, but there's also a lot of other factors playing into other than he's the number one and he's going to get a lot of targets. So that, that's the obvious pro case for AB. But I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try and put a little negative spin. And my, my dud is because I'm not anticipating he's going to score 16 points. Um, so he uh, AP hasn't played or practiced in two months. So he was out with an ankle injury for five weeks and then suspended for three games. So I know Arians came out, gave him a vote of confidence for his injury, but I do think that there's a chance anyways that he's not back to 100% and that his conditioning isn't all the way there. Uh, AB hasn't really had a problem with conditioning in the past. He He's usually ready to roll right away. Um, but without having, with being hurt and not being able to, to really run and keep his conditioning in shape, I, I don't know how much he's been able to do really over the last two months. So we'll see how he does with it in those two aspects. But I think that's at least a knockdown for him um, a little bit. And then also this matchup is against Carolina, who are ranked top five against wide receivers. So I think they could put a lot of attention onto AB and just have it be like somebody else other than him has to beat us. So um, I, I also wrote all this when I was thinking I was going to play against Hamza, so I was trying to manifest this to be true. But I also still think that AB might be a little bit overhyped going into this matchup. For Craig, I have Austin Eckler as his stud. Um, so we're unsure on his COVID status, so I know this, this analysis might all be moot if he's out. Um, but he is in a great spot with the Houston defense on tap. They are a bottom five team against running backs, and they also get gashed through the air by running backs. Um, both big strengths for Eckler. He can get his high-efficiency touches on the ground and get a bunch of catches through the air. So I'm looking forward to seeing him in this match, but I really hope he can get off the COVID list. Um, with Houston's offense actually looking competent over the last couple of weeks too, this could force them to run up the score a little bit. Um, now that obviously might change with Brandon Cooks being out, but that is a potential anyways for the Chargers to really come in here and uh, have to run up the score on Houston a little bit if they if if they give up you know 17 to 21 points something like that to Houston. Uh, so fingers crossed and Craig, sorry if this ends up being useless, but I mean you're starting Eckler anyways, but I, I really think that the stud uh, tag is going to apply to him here and he's going to have a really really big week. For me, I have uh, Kyle Pitts as a stud this week. I am just praying that this happens because he has been a little bit better as of late. And he had a good game last week with 77 yards on four receptions. And he gets Detroit this week. And he has not scored a touchdown in a long time. So I'm just really hoping this is finally going to be the week that he gets in. Um, so he's got that 11 projection. I think if he scores a touchdown, it'll be something like five for 60 in a touchdown. And so that'll put him well over that 11-point total that, that he's projected at right now. For Jordan, I have James Conner as a dud. This one I don't like to do because he's been playing well, and he's definitely been playing well enough to keep the lead job. So um, it, it wasn't enough, though, I guess, for them because they went right back to a timeshare once Edmonds was healthy. Um, so it was a pretty even split. I think Edmonds had nine touches or six or nine touches, something like that, and Connor had 10 touches against Detroit. Um, and this week against Indy, who just completely shut down New England's run defense and Ramondre Stevenson, it's going to be tough 
tough sledding for sure. And without any guarantee of volume, I think he's in for a disappointing outing. He's obviously always a potential to score a touchdown. That's He's like one of the best bets to score a touchdown. Uh, but if he doesn't this week, it might be really, really low, low total this week. Um, so with Jordan Strong bench, he could actually opt to not play him, but I don't know because Connor's been so good. It's, it's kind of hard to bench him, but um, at least makes it something to think about with, with the workload we saw last week. From Stevie Moe, he has Josh Allen as a dud. That's, that's my estimation. He's playing New England again. Um, we saw last time he had a bad week, although that was with the, the weird weather and super windy. Um, but I also think that they're trying to establish the run game here. Um, so they realized that that was a big issue, and I think they really went to it last week, and I think they're going to stick with it this week. They're really going to try and run it downhill at New England. Um, and obviously Indy just had great success with that. So um, it's not going to be a weird weather game, so they, he could go off. But even with New England's defense, where I think they take away digs on top of the Bills trying to run the ball, you know, maybe Gabriel Davis has a good game alongside Emmanuel Sanders if he's back type of thing. And Josh Allen just doesn't have this massive week. I think maybe somewhere in the 15 to 17 ranges where he settles in. And then Tyler, I have Devin Singletary as a stud for him. Um, one week after getting four carries, I mentioned this earlier, he goes off for 22 this week. And so he had the 16-yard touchdown run. He looked good. And Moss hasn't been active. Matt Breida hasn't really been a factor as much anymore. So I really think the gig is his now. And he's only projected for eight points. So this was kind of an easy look to call him a stud because I think he's going to get enough work to get, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of 80 total yards, a touchdown, and a couple catches here. So, you know, he could end up in the, in the 15 range as well. Okay, and then just a little bit of NFL playoff breakdown. There's still three weeks left, so so much football left to play, so I don't want to break it down too much. Um, but if you've been waiting for this section, I hope that this is entertaining, and I'll, I'll try and do this over the next couple weeks as well. So in the AFC, we have so many teams still in play. I mean, there's eight and six. We've got the Bengals, Colts, Chargers, Bills, and Ravens. At seven, six, and one, we have the Steelers. And at seven and seven, we have the Raiders, Dolphins, Browns, and Broncos. So there are just so many, 10 teams, all still within one game. Um, and all of the wild card spots are at eight and six, and all of those other teams are at seven and seven. I mean, it's just crazy to think. Um, so the Bengals play Baltimore this week. So that's a direct. Uh, a direct impact on each other because they're both eight and six and whoever wins that game is likely to jump into the lead in the division again so if the Bengals are able to beat Baltimore they'll hold but if the Ravens win they'll jump in there and the the Browns uh, are at seven and seven so they can't jump into that division lead right now plus they get Green Bay so I don't think that they're going to jump in um, the Bills get New England which is a huge game not only for the AFC East, but also for the Bills being able to hold on to a playoff spot here because they've got so many teams coming to run them down. Um, and so the Raiders also get Denver this week. So those teams are both 7-7. Seven and seven. So that's a very, very high-impact game for what we're going to be looking at later in the week. So um, thankfully for a lot of the people listening to this, we're all Charger fans. They get Houston. They should be able to handle Houston and 
continue to get their win streak going. So they'll go to nine and six, hopefully. And the Colts play Arizona. So that's definitely a tough matchup. Arizona's coming off a game where they got blown out by Detroit. So I can't imagine that they're feeling, uh, you know, they're going to be laid back. They're going to be coming after the Colts. And so hopefully we get a good matchup there. And hopefully, for the Chargers' sake, Arizona is able to take care of business. On the NFC side, this one is a little bit easier to break down just because there's only four teams, really. And the 49ers are one of them, and they're in the sixth seed, and they're at eight and six. Um, and they get Tennessee, Houston, and the Rams. So they do have a couple tough matchups in there. But with the way everybody's been kind of backing up instead of really taking, taking their uh, destiny into their own hands, I don't necessarily think the 49ers are at any risk of missing the playoffs. Um, and then for that final seven seed here, the Vikings are currently in the seven seed with the Saints at seven and seven and the Eagles at seven and seven. So it'll be interesting to see how this one plays out because the Vikings play the Rams. And so the Rams are still trying to chase down Arizona and Arizona gets the Colts. So there's definitely a lot for the Rams to be playing for here. And so I think they're going to end up beating the Vikings. The Saints get Miami, who are winners of six straight games. And that's a Monday night game in Miami. So I don't know necessarily how that's going to play out. That's definitely going to be a good game to watch. But I think Miami has a pretty solid chance of beating the Saints there. And so the Saints will take a step back. And then the Eagles get the Giants. So I think that this is the most winnable game of these three. And that the Eagles will be able to take care of business against the Giants and move into the seventh seed after this week. So pretty short recap there. Hope you guys enjoyed that that little bit of analysis, and we'll get much more into it as um, we get closer. So because there's still three weeks, it's still so unpredictable. So um, all right, but yeah, thanks for listening, and talk to you guys next week.